0: Hi, and welcome to the Becoming You podcast. I'm a mental health enthusiast who is here to share my story and tips on becoming the best you. My name is Caitlin, and I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get to it. Um, this is my friend, Colleen. She runs No Food Rules and she is here to talk to us about intuitive eating and loving our current bodies, which in our community is a huge thing. Um, So just introduce yourself a little bit, tell us about your company
1: um, and tell the community about what you do. Yes. So my name is Colleen. I'm a registered dietitian and I teach intuitive eating and food freedom. So Intuitive eating for those who don't know is kind of this idea of getting away from diet culture, not dieting anymore, and really getting back to being able to listen to your body. So the thing is, is that we are all born as intuitive eaters. And we, I mean, think about it. When we're babies, we know that we, you know, cry when we're hungry, we turn our cheek when we're full. And it's just, it's natural. But as we go through life and we start to get influenced by the media and, you know, these beauty standards that we have, we start to diet and we kind of lose that ability to listen to our bodies. And then by the time we become adults, it's kind of like, I literally don't even know how to eat anymore. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I went through phases of restricting food when I was in college. It was my way to gain some sort of control and to feel like I could be successful something. And then from there, what happened is I kind of went to the other end of the spectrum, which is a totally normal biological phenomenon that I started to overeat food and binge on food. And it was just this cycle for so long. And I found intuitive eating. I literally stumbled across the book in the library. And then I, um, Found that book and did some work there myself. And I had never imagined that this would become my career, but here we are today. This is what I do. I now teach others how to stop dieting, find food freedom, and I do that through my membership community, which is called The Society. So it's where I basically give everything that I wish I would have had. So I give the guidance of how I've been able to do this and find this intuitive eating lifestyle. But also I felt so alone and I feel like a lot of people can probably relate to this. Um, You just feel so alone and it's, it's tough to navigate. So we have that community in there and that just extra workshops and just giving everyone the tools because it's so good when you can get back to a place of just, like I said, Eating normally and not having to stress about food or your body. And I just want everyone to be able to do that faster. So that's what I do today. Yes.
0: So I don't know exactly how much you know, but we have, or I have a line for the business called Love Your Current Body. And Mm -hmm. a lot of what you say gets shared on my page because it is. So the truth, um, intuitive eating is something I'm currently working on Um, in therapy. My therapist asked me to stop dieting after we diagnosed my eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. so it was really tough for me in those moments to decide that I no longer could do these binge diets that are shoved down my throat on Instagram and Facebook and from all of these other people. And so when I found your page, um, I was just, it was so relieving to find where like you'll post that you get ice cream and like for so long I had food rolls against ice cream pop tarts like all of these things in Mm -hmm. my childhood that I was told I wasn't allowed to eat bagels um and so I want women to know that like you can eat whatever you want at the end of the day and you know it's you have to learn how to like find your cues. And that is something that you have really preached on a lot, especially lately um, of like hunger cues and like food, not tasting the same. And it's something that like, Mm -hmm. I've really been working on. So kind of tell us more about that, like where that side comes from into intuitive eating.
1: Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people, with, there's only so much you can gather from the small squares on Instagram with intuitive There's so many different misconceptions out there. So I do recommend everyone read the book. It's, it's, it's actually really an easy read. Um, But with that, there's so much to think about when it comes to food. And just like you said, our relationships with food are so complex. It it goes back to childhood and the things that you maybe told, were told that you couldn't have. I mean, whether for me, I'm thinking about like like white bread or, you know, the pop tarts, like those are like special Mm -hmm. occasions when I got those. And it's almost like I put those food on those foods on a pedestal and you when you go when you do that with food or you say food is good or bad think about like ice cream so you said ice cream that was a huge one for me too i thought that ice cream was quote unquote bad right that i shouldn't eat it it was unhealthy which is totally not true but then what happens when we do that is that when we go to allow ourselves to eat that food we're more likely to eat it in that binge like manner so that means checking out not paying attention to if we even freaking like the food, our fullness side of things, we're just kind of haphazardly necessarily eating it. So there's a lot of things that I talk about, which is finding fullness and satisfaction. And those are, can be two different things, which is important to note too. So fullness is kind of, you know, my stomach is full. There's lots of different things. You're not thinking about food. Satisfaction is more of kind of more abstract. Like I'm, I'm happy with that. Like I'm content with that. Um, So for instance, thinking about things like ice cream to now what it looks like with intuitive eating is I pretty much always have ice cream in my freezer. We always pretty much have a family size tub and I'm able to have some when I want and not obsess over it, not feel like I'm going to eat the whole thing. Um, And to be able to do that and without guilt, I think that's another big thing is that we want to make sure that we remove the guilt, which is a process, right? So there's a lot of different things to think about and to actually experience. And you touched on one thing that I've been saying a lot lately. I've been putting in my Instagram stories and every time I do, I get tons of DMs about it. It's that if you notice that as you start to eat something, the taste, and this is if you're being Present, you're engaging in it, you are not just kind of checking out, the taste of that food is going to change. It's going to dull if you notice it throughout. So, if you are, let's say, eating a pint of ice cream, how does that first bite taste versus when you kind of get towards the bottom of the pint or you get, you know, you're along the way through it? You'll notice that if you're paying attention, it starts to change. That is a point of satisfaction or fullness, and your body is not necessarily craving it as much anymore. And I think that just takes us the ability to be able to listen to our bodies and to be able to be present while eating. I think that's huge because when we diet for so long, it's like, it's almost like we just want to get through the meal because we should be eating this. And we, you know, this is what we're told to be. It's not a true experience. We're not owning our food choices and being able to assess that and own your food choices and experience it can feel kind of strange when you start to do it.
0: Yeah. Um, so actually I was at work today and I've been really focusing on like at lunch being present. Um, cause mm-hmm. I eat in the cafeteria so often just cause like a lot of times there aren't leftovers for me to take. And so I know that I don't always make the best choices, but I know that if I'm, you know, eating until I'm full, then I can walk away and not feel gross going back to work and like, But I found myself today, I like turned my phone off. I didn't sit on it. And I like could literally picture your Instagram. And I was like, okay, (laughs) how does this taste? What am I feeling? And I was like, this is the strangest thing for me to be Mm -hmm. present while I'm eating. Because I can even think back to when I was a kid. Like I remember the little TVs that we had on the counters that we watched when we ate. (laughs) And I was like, well, no wonder I don't know when I'm full. I'm paying attention to the TV. And so Mm -hmm. when you put that on your Instagram, I just like, I was like, holy cow, this stems Mm -hmm. back to my childhood, not even just, you know, eating disorder or pre-eating disorder. It is like, it is way back in it. And Mm -hmm. we talk a ton in my community about mental health and how much it controls. And like, when you're talking, it is just like, there's so much of your brain that is processing eating that I just like, didn't even realize and it's crazy to think about like the emotional side too. And so will you just talk about a little bit, like what does the, because um, there's been like a lot of stories on your Instagram where you're like, I'm emotional today. Like I'm, I'm going through this, I'm going to eat this, but I know it's not going to fix my problems. Like, will you elaborate for my community who maybe hasn't followed you yet um, to like how
1: emotions and intuitive eating kind of work together? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so- Emotional eating is normal. So with that, I I think that there's this stigma against it, like never emotional eat. You should only, you know, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. eating should be emotional, right? We want to, we should feel pleasure from it. Like that's a normal human response. I would not want to be in a place where I don't feel happy after eating food. Like that's a human right. So the thing with emotional eating is that it's a spectrum. So if you're thinking on one end of the spectrum, you have quote unquote, normal emotional eating. This is where, I mean, think about like a bride and a groom on their wedding day. They might not necessarily be hungry for the cake or want the cake, but it's this emotion. They're wanting to celebrate or, um, you know, I always use the example of you, maybe you're having a crummy day and you're just like, Oh, this brownie is going to give me a pick me up. So the thing with this is you're not using it for sedation or distraction or punishment, which is on the other side of this emotional eating spectrum. So with that, and I was posting about this, I can't remember what food, Oh, I think I put, um, heath bits on my oatmeal the other day. And I was like, do I necessarily want these? No, but the chocolate's going to give me a little bit of a pick-me-up. You can do the same thing with a cookie on a bad day, but I don't expect that to fix my bad day versus if I'm like, oh, I had such a bad day. I'm gonna eat these cookies. I'm gonna, oh, I want more because you're expecting the food to do something that it can't, right? It can temporarily give you feelings of happiness, or joy or satisfaction, but we're always going to have that issue, whatever it was to deal with. So it's important to think about emotional eating as this spectrum. So on one end, we have that normal, okay, this might give me a pick me up, you know, it can give me a mood boost, whatever, but I don't expect it to fix that issue. And when you start to think about it that way, one of the hardest things that I hear people say is that it's, and this was tough for me too, it's very hard to start actually feeling your feelings. So when you think about like, okay, when I'm having a bad day, we don't want to think about that, right? So usually we might turn to food to forget about that, but that bad day is still going to be there. So when you start intuitive eating, I always say it's going to really kind of bleed into other areas of your life, like, you start to just kind of live intuitively because you're going to have to say, okay, what are other things that I can do to work on this in the society, which is where I do my coaching, we have this thing called the emotional eating algorithm. And we take, we create an emotional eating toolkit. Now, I totally understand that eating should not be as complicated that we need a freaking algorithm to work through it. But that is literally what diet culture has how warped eating is for us because of diet culture. So the the way that I kind of walk people through this is First thing, if you are feeling like, oh, I want this this cookie. I'm, you know, feeling having a bad day, I want this cookie. First ask yourself, am I actually, you know, hungry? Am I actually biologically hungry? If you're hungry, eat. And it's important to know that you can be emotional and hungry at the same time, but we always want to make sure that we are honoring our hunger when we feel it. Now, if you're like, oh, I'm not actually hungry, I'm just kind of having a crummy day, what I suggest is to ask yourself, okay, what could help fix the actual issue. So if I'm feeling stressed, right, then maybe I would just get outside, take a walk, I would do some breathing, I would do a journal entry, something to actually see, okay, can I handle this stress? And then allow yourself some time. If at that point, you're like, yeah, but I still want that cookie, then allow yourself to have that cookie. And the key here is to make sure you're doing it when you're being present. So this is not just checking out. This is all the things that you talked about, you know, okay, what does this taste like? Am I am I enjoying it? Does this what is the texture like? What is the smell like? And just allowing yourself to own that food choice of saying, yes, I'm eating this brownie right now and I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And then you eat that and then I always say kind of go back to the beginning and reassess. Okay, how am I feeling now? Do I still want more of the cookie? Okay. What is the, you know, the driver for that? Is it because I'm looking for more sedation to get away from the stress? Or is it that I actually want the cookie? And to kind of go through that. So what I recommend people set up is kind of these toolboxes for emotion. So what you can do, super actionable step, is to go through a couple of days and just write down the emotions that you feel. So maybe you feel stressed, maybe you feel loneliness, maybe you feel anxiety. And then under each of those things, kind of create them like different categories and write down different things to do for each so that you have them on hand so that when those feelings of stress come up, you're not like, oh crap, now I got to think about things to handle my stress. That's stressing me out more. Try to do a lot of this work beforehand so that when it comes time and you're feeling stressed, you can kind of just walk through that. Does that make
0: sense? Did I explain that? Well, yes, I literally could sit and listen to you talk about food all day. It's so crazy (laughs) Um, because it's so, it is so like, I am so against diet culture and a year ago, it's so funny to think about, like I was well, a part of it. And um, Mm -hmm. it is just crazy how like your mindset really does have to change and how it is truly such a struggle Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really open on like within my community of like, okay, like today I tried on a bathing suit and I wasn't the exact size that I want to be, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I can't love the body that I'm in. And it doesn't mean that my body's unlovable. And Mm -hmm. something I really um, found so interesting is you were really vulnerable and open, which we all love in the Instagram community, um, about you went up a size. And so Mm -hmm. for me, that is something I recently just had to come to terms with is I went from, um, I did keto about a year ago. And so Mm -hmm. I'm retrying on all of my summer clothes from keto summer and none of them fit. And it makes me a little sad. And you posted Mm -hmm. on your story, you were like, I went up a size and it was hard. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not the only one. And so like, can you kind of pour into my community on that like topic a little bit of like, you went up a size, but like you, and like you, you know, it's, it's Instagram. So you're, you know, you're posting great, great content, but it's like, how did that make you
1: feel in that moment? Cause I'm sure that wasn't easy to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with
0: your community on.
1: Yeah. And I think that, one important thing to know is that diet culture is a beast, right? So I don't want anyone to think that they're wrong for Cause when I did that, I'm not going to lie. My first gut reaction was, Oh, like, should, should that be happening? Like, do you really need to go up a size? But that I don't want anyone, I don't want to, I guess, glamorize this idea that when you get to this place of you're eating intuitively, you've made peace with your body, that you're never going to have a less than positive, you know thought about it. What what has changed for me is that I had that thought of, oh, like I'm going up a size. Is that quote unquote right? Is that quote unquote wrong? But I was able to look at that and identify it. That's a diet culture thought. Okay. That's not something that's going to Do anything for us. That's not something that's true. So sometimes I do this. I literally will envision, I heard a therapist say this one time you just literally envision your thought, that thought, like a butterfly and just let it fly away. And that is something like a visualization that I actually do if I have some of those thoughts. Um, But yeah, that was really tough. And I was actually today just talking to a clothing designer about this. And I think that if we can understand that like clothing sizes are so arbitrary that can also help. And just knowing that our bodies are literally not meant to stay the same size. This is, it sounds so strange that I just said that because diet culture tells us the exact opposite, that, you know, we can always change our size, that we are in total control of that, but it's totally untrue. And that's why diet, the diet culture industry is makes so much money is off of that lie. And I think that, When we can learn to accept that it's normal and the more that we all vocalize this, like, hey, you know, my, I went up a size and it's okay. That's the more that we can be vulnerable, the more that that's going to normalize that. And for me, it was okay, how am I going to feel in this? Am I going to feel more comfortable in this clothing size? You know, regardless of that, um, you know, what the number says. And for me, that was a hard yes. And something that I think about when I, I was totally in that place of, you know, buying the smaller size, or if you're in between sizes, always picking the smaller one because of literally just the tag on it. I was never fully present in my life when I was doing that because I was always adjusting my waistband or, you know, having a stomach ache because my jeans were too tight. And when you're able to live in clothes that fit, oh, it sounds like, it sounds so silly saying that, but it is absolutely amazing. And I now have this kind of like rule of thumb when I buy clothes that if I can't have a meal, like a full-size meal when I'm wearing the clothes, I'm not going to buy them because not only is that not going to be physically comfortable, I'm not going to be able to be present in that moment and actually enjoy it. And like I said, our bodies are literally meant to change throughout our lives. Even if it's not necessarily the weight, it could be the distribution. For me, I've definitely noticed a change in the way that my lower body carries weight in the past couple of years. And that's okay. That's normal. It's a normal part of life. And something that I say to myself is, okay, Kelly, that shows that you're living. If your body was not changing, then I think something would be wrong there because our body should get different as we go on like our bodies are never going to be the same thing at two points in our life that is just absolutely unrealistic.
0: Yes, and I yeah, I totally agree with that. And I definitely went through a lot of really hard times when I was like at the end of college, like really where mm-hmm. my hormones started to change like I was like I'm 25, like my body is preparing for me to have children. Like Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. You get bigger. And like, I had a lot of friends who really struggled with it too. And I was like, felt like I was talking to a wall sometimes. And I was like, you guys, you are not meant to be your high school size, like ever Mm -hmm. again in your life. And like, who wants to be like, like that awkward, like you're going to grow and blossom into what your body is supposed to look like. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just so much what diet culture is like, well, you have all this control and you should count your calories and you can be whatever size you want. And I'm like, I have restricted myself in so many different ways. And and, you know, like keto taught me a lot and there's been tons of, you know, things that have taught me different things, but I restricted for so long and it didn't matter how long I restricted. I was no less than a size 10. And I was like, okay, but I can get to to a size eight and I would squeeze into these jeans Mm -hmm. and I would be so uncomfortable and so awkward with my friends at the bar. And I'm like, don't take a picture of me. Like, and now I'm a size 12 and, I could be a size 14 or 16 at some point in some store, who knows. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so important to remember that like, we are ingrained in us to like change and like always be like losing weight when like, that's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. And the last year has been nuts. And I think your account has been such a little bright light in my Instagram world because it's been so hard. Like my life Mm -hmm. completely changed and I know Mm -hmm. I look different, but that's okay. Like, my body just carried me through all of that.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people have been really beat, especially with everything that's happened in quarantine. Everyone all of a sudden first went on this like kick of, okay, I'm going to, this is going to be my time. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get fit, whatever the goal was. And then we're also having all of this stress and then people panicked if they felt like they even noticed the slightest weight gain. They felt like they were doing something wrong. And it's like, guys, we are literally in the middle of a pandemic here. And I don't know about you, but for me, my activity went way down. I mean, even from the fact that I wasn't going to the store as much in grocery shopping, because guys, that's physical activity. Like working out and physical activity is not just the workouts that you do. It is just your acts of daily life. So if you're just sitting all day, yeah, you you might gain a little weight and that's okay, that's not bad. But and then when you put all the stress on it, then it's it's just a, a rabbit hole that you can go down. So I think that if we can think of one positive thing, I guess you could say that has come out of that is that people are learning that they are more than their body size. And I think that especially in the past year, this idea of intuitive eating and food and body freedom has really boomed because of all of that initial stress that people had when they may have noticed some sort of change in their body. And it's just crazy how we can riddle off all of these things about ourselves. Like we are, you know, we have a are successful businesswoman. We are an amazing mother, amazing, you know, a uh, sister, you know, a dog mom, whatever it may be friend. But if our weight is not where we envision it or where we want it to be, that all of that is negated. And it's just absolutely insane when you think about it that way. It's just so hard for us to, live and to accept ourselves beyond our weight It is just so twisted
0: yeah like um I've seen a, a go around on Instagram a little bit lately of like your life doesn't begin in 50 pounds it begins now mm-hmm. and like that hit home because I remember growing up so often and being like okay well in 20 pounds I'll do this or in 20 pounds I'll wear the bikini or in 20 pounds mm-hmm. like okay who cares about bikinis no one um two if I wanted to wear it, I could have and three like why did I have to lose 20 pounds to be successful? Mm-hmm. And I I kind of almost did that with this company. Um, when I was like losing all the weight during quarantine and stuff like that, um, I was, I said like, oh, well, I'll start the Instagram when I lose 20 pounds and I'll take the pictures mm-hmm. for the podcast. Yep. I absolutely adore the pictures that I took for the podcast. I look happier than I've ever looked. And it was about the same size that I am now. And I'm like, why was I almost not going to do that because I needed to lose 20 pounds or I just did a Mm -hmm. um, boudoir photo shoot. And I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I lose 15. Like I'll lose 15 before. But then my counselor was like, we're not dieting. So Mm -hmm. I don't really know how you're going to lose 15 pounds in four weeks, but like you're not dieting. So you can't do that. And my photographer Mm -hmm. is, um, is starting out in boudoir and she's amazing. Like Mm -hmm. literally hired her for the rest of my life. Um, she was like, I'm so glad you didn't wait, because she's like, I just, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to photograph you art as you are now, because you're beautiful the way that you are, and it doesn't matter, and I was like, are you, sh- I don't know, and she's <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what size you are, and I was like, okay, and then I did um, photos for the current body, like, when I released that line, and I, I mean, I wasn't, like, I hadn't lost any weight and I hadn't really gained any weight and I was like okay well maybe I shouldn't and I was like I'm preaching to an Instagram community that I have to love my body like this needs to start with me Mm -hmm. um but I think like also it's so easy to be like oh well it I love my body every day like I'm sure you still struggle with like points Mm -hmm. where you're like shoot this is
1: hard Mm -hmm. yeah I'm having a bad body image today I'll be totally totally honest with you and I think it's unrealistic for us to expect that we are going to love the way our body looks 24 seven. But I always say we can always work to respect and appreciate it. Like I said, I am not having a great body image today. I feel bloated, like I'm not feeling super great, but Regardless, my body literally allows me to live this life. So whether I like the way it looks or not, it allowed me to take a walk with my dog at lunch and enjoy the sunshine. You know, it allows me to sit here and literally have this career, this all these other amazing things that I'm proud of but have nothing to do with my body. So that's kind of what I do on bad body image days. And then also, just like you said, with the photographer, like it's so easy for us to tell other people this information, but it's hard for us to apply to ourselves. So I think that having someone in your corner that you can go to just to get that dose of, you know, okay, well, I I know I have a hard time telling myself this, but if someone else can just tell me this or asking yourself kind of like framing all of your thoughts through the lens of, okay, this is what I'm saying to myself how would, what would I say if a friend said this to me? I think that's a really great lens. And then also one more thing to journal and write it down. Journaling has been absolutely transformational for me because we are, you're so much more likely to be able to separate what is true versus what is not. What is a productive thought? What is an unproductive thought? When you see it on paper versus when it's just kind of like swirling around in your head. I mean, think about it. It's so easy to think like, I hate my body, but when you write it down, I hate my body. It's like, whoa, that's like a statement. Like, is that something that I actually want to be thinking? It makes it a little more real.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, um, I have my bachelor's in psychology and I'm getting my master's right now. So we're currently talking about in my program, re, um, framing and reworking mm-hmm. your neural pathways. So what yes. I tell my community a lot is, your thoughts are just neural pathways. They're learned behaviors from what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And so you are, you can be in charge of changing those neural pathways into different thoughts. And that's so Mm -hmm. much of like what you teach your community about food is like, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's recognizing that like my brain is thinking this way, but this might not be correct. This is, Mm -hmm. this was a thought process that allowed me to survive a situation before And now I need to relearn to live my current life so that I can be happier and I can change those neural pathways. And I think when you break it down to, like you said, like emotions, like when you start to really feel them, or you like, you start to really taste food, if you really break down your thoughts, they're just neural pathways. And you're like, oh, I can change that. But like, when Mm -hmm. you talk about changing your thought process, people are like, well, that sounds really scary. But like Mm -hmm. journaling is a great way to just like jot it down and be like, oh, well, I don't like that, but I can change that. When it
1: looks on paper, it's just a whole different ball game for some reason. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I like to use the analogy of like, okay, so you're walking in the woods. I'm a very visual person. So you're walking in the woods and you're, let's say you're like looking at your thighs in the mirror and you're like, oh, I hate my thighs. And that's just like such an automatic thought, just like you said, because that's literally the pathway that our brain's going to take and so, but what we have to do is we have to say, okay, I need to start carving a new path in the woods. So you stop yourself and you say, okay, that's my old thought. But what if I say, I respect these thighs because they allow me to walk the dog. And then what you're doing there is you're slowly starting to carve that new path. And the more that you do it, the more that you start to walk that path, the more that that path is going to become clear. And just like you said, you're going to start. Rewiring that brain and taking that. And at the same time, when you're consciously choosing to not engage with that thought of, I hate my thighs, I always kind of visualize like leaves and twigs falling over that old path. And then over time, it's like you continually are going to start to take that new path, that thought of, you know, okay, so I respect and appreciate my thighs versus I hate them. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to accept too, is that in a society that really wants that instant gratification that it's not going to happen overnight. It is a lot of upfront work and the same thing with food. I mean, it's just, if you've labeled ice cream bad for so long, it's not like you're just going to snap your fingers and be like, woohoo, ice cream is fine. It's going to be great. I have no guilt eating it. If it were that easy, like we'd all be able to be intuitive eaters overnight. Like I would not have to do anything. Right. So it's just that it's, it's a journey. And I, I hate using that phrase. It's a journey, but it's, it's, you couldn't describe it better, um, but it's something, it's a process, right? And it's really about assessing your thoughts and saying, okay, where is this thought coming from? Is this something that I want to have? Is this true? What do I want to replace this with? And it's that process and have just being kind to yourself and under, I think for me, understanding exactly what you talked about, like the neural pathways is super, super helpful and understanding. I'm super sciencey. So I love hearing that part of it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so important to know that like, it is a process. And um, there was like a viral video that went around this week about like, self love and like the culture about like, you're just going to automatically love yourself. But like, it takes so long. And it mm-hmm. takes so it takes so much work. And, and a lot of people don't want to do the work. And you know, I'm, I'm here to walk all of life kinds of life through this process. But like, all I want is for women at the end of the day to, and men to love their bodies for what they are. And I think Mm -hmm. your, your idea is the same way. Like if we change our relationship with food, everything changes. Oh Um, yes, And that is truly what you do. And it is amazing. Um, so I always ask the guests on my podcast for two, um, like advice or like, you know, large thoughts for my community of like what you would love to leave them with. So what are Mm -hmm. those for you?
1: So I think for me is focus on positivity. And for me, this is something that has been transformational. And I'm not talking about like toxic positivity here. Like everything's sunshine and rainbows all the time. So that's just not true. But I, now a lot, I get DMs about this all the time saying like, how are you so positive all the time? Like, how are you so bubbly and upbeat? I was not always this way. Like I used to be Miss Negative Nancy, like, cranky. Like I don't even know how it I would just, I wasn't enjoyable to be around. And I've done a lot of work with the idea of the law of attraction and manifestation. And what you focus on is what you'll see more of are the things that, you know, you're going to get back. And so for me, just really, as I go through my day, I'm always just thinking, okay, well, what's the positive here? Like I think that everything is a learning experience and nothing is necessarily bad. So even when I had, it was the other day, it was one of those days where literally everything was going wrong. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I could, I have two choices. I could sit here and ruminate on, this, you know, the construction people are outside that they never gave us a warning. I can't get out of my driveway. My dog's barking. I spilled my coffee, like all these things. Or I can sit here and just be like, "Yep, that happened. That's unfortunate. But me ruminating in that is not going to do anything. The sun's shining. That's fabulous. Let me sit here and cuddle with my dog for a second, read a little bit of my book, just recenter and just allow myself to choose again, how I want this day to go. You know, I have two choices. I could go down the rabbit hole of negativity, or I could choose to spin it and be like, we're going to make the most of it. And I think for me, that's been absolutely transformational to be honest, not just for how I live my life, but like for my husband, for my family, like I feel like I used to be, everyone felt like they were walking on eggshells around me and that has to do with A, I was in a negative mindset. B, I was hungry all the time and hunger is not good for anyone. But now that I am A, fed and B, I'm not always focusing on the negative and I'm choosing to see the positive, it's just been absolutely transformational. So I think that just go through your day and take note of things that are unfortunate but don't ruminate in them and try to see okay this happens but how can I kind of get you know the good out of this or how can I choose to spin this
0: Mm -hmm. I love that yes that is that is perfect
1: so that's one of them then the other one I would have to say is I think that being flexible with yourself changing throughout your life, and I know we've talked about like our bodies changing throughout our lives, but also like who you are as a person, I think that we always kind of get tied to, oh, that's just, that's not me or I'm this way. Or even like, whether it's, you've always been a negative person or you've always followed a certain diet, or you've always been the runner in the group, you know, whatever it is, we put ourselves in these boxes and we don't necessarily allow ourselves to change throughout our lives. One thing that I find super inspiring. So one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating, Elise Resch, she, I was listening to a podcast that she was on the other week. And so she is all about not dieting, not intentionally trying to lose weight, making peace with food and body. She said, yeah, I wrote a weight loss book, like, but people change. And I am not going to pull that down that book and have it be, you know, hide it, because I want people to be inspired and say that, hey, it's okay to change throughout your life. I mean, I, you could go back to, I started blogging in college. So this is when I had a bunch of food rules. I put blog posts out that talked about cutting calories that talked about, you know, you shouldn't use oil, all of those things, which are totally untrue. But I am not ashamed of that. I have just pivoted. So I think that allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to change just because you've thought one way or done something one way so far in life doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in that box and continue to do things that way.
0: Yes, that's so true. It's yeah, I've pivoted so much even just in the last year of like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is this is me and like, I've done so much growing and working. And I think even like in the last three years, I've, I've entirely like I, I have different interests like i'm a, I'm a different mm-hmm. person and i i love that um so thank you so much for serving the community that i have yes. they are i am served by this episode in myself so i appreciate you for coming on yes thanks so much for listening if you loved this episode share it with a friend or tag me on instagram so i can connect with you i'm so excited to have you on this journey with me Can't wait to grow together. Have the best week. Talk soon.